ಸುಚಾಣೂರಮರ್ದನಂ ದೇವಕೀ ಪರಮಂದಂ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ವಂದೇ ಜಗದ್ಗುರು ಆಕ್ಚುಲಿ ಸ್ವಾಮಿ ಚಿದ್ರೂಪಾನಂದಜಿ ವಾಸ್ ಕ್ವೈಟ್ ರೈಟ್ ವೆನ್ ಹೀ ಸೆಡ್ ಹೂ ಎಮ್ ಐ ದಟ್ಸ್ ಬೇಸಿಕಲಿ ದ ಓನ್ಲಿ ಸಬ್ಜೆಕ್ಟ್ ಐ ಹವ್ ಗಾಟ್ ಐ ರಿಯಲಿ ಡು ನಾಟ್ ಸ್ಪೀಕ್ ಆನ್ ಎನಿಥಿಂಗ್ ಎಲ್ಸ್ ಬಟ್ ಯೆಸ್ ಟುಡೇಸ್ ಟಾಕ್ ವಿಲ್ ಬಿ ಬೇಸ್ಡ್ ಆನ್ ದಿ ಭಗವದ್ ಗೀತಾ ವಿ ನೋ ದಟ್ ದಿ ಭಗವದ್ ಗೀತಾ ಇಸ್ ವೆಲ್ ದಿ ಉಪನಿಷದ್ಸ್ ಆರ್ ದಿ ಫೌಂಡೇಶನಲ್ ಟೆಕ್ಸ್ಟ್ಸ್ ದ ರೂಟ್ ಟೆಕ್ಸ್ಟ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ವೇದಾಂತ ವೆರಿ ಡೆಫಿನಿಷನ್ ಆಫ್ ವೇದಾಂತ ಇಸ್ ವೇದಾಂತ ನಾಮ ಉಪನಿಷತ್ ಪ್ರಮಾಣಂ ವೇದಾಂತ ಇಸ್ ದ ಸೋರ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಸ್ಪಿರಿಚುವಲ್ ನಾಲೆಜ್ ಕಾಲ್ ದಿ ಉಪನಿಷತ್ಸ್ ಬಟ್ there are two other texts the brahma sutras and the bhagavad gita which are taken together with the upanishads as the triple foundation of vedanta prasthanatraya and the bhagavad gita is unique in this sense that uh, it contains the essence of the upanishadic wisdom and its practical application it's very practical how we are going to lead a spiritual life and what is its culmination is very clearly set out there in beautiful poetry so taught by sri krishna to arjuna in the mahabharata in 18 chapters and 700 verses bhagavad gita now today what i want to do is subject is the same who am i what i'm going to speak about on sunday but i have chosen i'm going to do something a little different today um i have chosen one particular verse the 16th verse of the second chapter um it's a very important verse not only in the second chapter but in the entire bhagavad gita indeed in the entire vedantic literature a very profound verse and just a little earlier i was discussing it with rivier maharaj here rivier brahmarupanji maharaj and uh, he was saying oh that's a difficult one <laughs> so <laughs> i have picked that i've chosen that to for our meditation this evening i shall share some thoughts we will talk about it and afterwards if you have comments questions we will discuss it also so that's how it will go yes it is difficult it's really diff- i won't say difficult but it's profound it's really deep i remember one um monk in the himalayas a teacher of vedanta saying in hindi i'll translate he said ye to bhagavad gita ki darshanik hriday hai this is the philosophical this verse is the philosophical heart of the entire bhagavad gita so it's that important so what is this verse which we are going to consider today the 16th verse of the second chapter is nasato vidyate bhavo na bhavo vidyate sataha ಉಭಯೋರಿ ದೃಷ್ಟಿಸ್ ದ ವರ್ಸ್ ವಾಟ್ ಡಸ್ ಇಟ್ ಮೀನ್ 
Um, the false or the unreal never comes into existence and the real is never non-existent. The knowers of reality, Tattvadarshi, the knowers of reality see this, this truth about these two. These two means the real and the false. That the real never goes out of existence and the false never really comes into existence at all. What does this mean? And why is it so important? So this is what we're going to discuss today. It might seem awfully dry, philosophical. Um, I'm just saying it because I have to say it, because, but I enjoy it. So I'm going to have fun. And if you want to have fun, you must listen very carefully, um, follow what's happening. I, at first, it's going to be philosophical. Um, um, uh, uh, there's a logical progression to this thought. And then you will see the remarkable application of it in our lives. Tremendous application, right here, right now. First, I want to share this um, idea of cause and effect. That the effect, the reality of the effect is nothing but the cause. Okay, what do I mean by that? It's important to grasp this. This stage I'm sitting on, say this part, the stairs, they're made of wood. The railing is made of wood. Your chairs are made of wood. Now, wood, I would, wood is what is called the material cause. Don't be, some people switch off, you know, like the moment you start speaking about material cause and effect and all of that, oh, this is all dry and boring. And there's this famous book by Stephen Hawking, The Brief History of Time. He writes in the introduction that when I was going to publish it, the publisher said, every equation that you put in halves your readership. The moment people see a mathematical equation, they turn off. <laughs> so number of readers you would have had, half of them will drop out the moment they see an equation, mathematical equation. So the moment you start talking philosophy, half of the listeners switch off. They're here. They'll be here, but they don't hear. <laughs> so do, don't worry. It's actually very simple. Um, by material cause, in Sanskrit, upadana karana, we literally mean the material out of which something is made. So these railings and the stairs and the chairs you're sitting on, they are made of wood. So wood is the material cause of the chair, of these railings and the stairs. Now, the reality of these things, the chair, the railings, the stair, is the material cause. What do I mean by that? Without that wood, these things would not exist. That seems to be a no-brainer. Simple. Pot, the classic example they have, uh, a pot and clay, a clay pot. So the pot is the effect. By effect, I mean the product. And the material cause is the clay. So the clay is the reality of the pot. The pot doesn't have any intrinsic reality of its own. It depends entirely on the, uh, on the clay. In terms in Vedantic language, clay satyam pot mithya. Clay is the reality and the, and the pot is the appearance thereof. You're saying, are you saying that the chairs we are sitting on are not real? 
If they were not real, I would be very soon sitting on the carpet. But we are sitting on it. Remember, when you say the chair, you are taking not only the chair, but the material out of which it is constituted. You're taking it together, the wood as the chair, and then you use it. You don't, you're not talking about just the name and the form of the chair. You're taking the material as the chair. When you say a pot, when you say the pot, we are taking the material clay as, as well as the name and form and the function of the pot. That's why it seems real to us, because the reality there is the clay. If you touch it, a, a clay pot, what are you touching? You're touching clay. If you weigh it, you're weighing clay. Why do I say clay is the reality and the, not the pot? Because suppose you do not have the clay, then the pot would not exist. How much of the pot would exist? Nothing. But the reverse is not true. If the pot didn't exist, the clay would still continue to exist. It was a lump of clay before it became a pot. And after you break it, it will be pot shards, pieces of clay, still continues to be clay. Right? So the clay continues regardless of whether it, it looks like a pot or does not. Now what's the point of saying all this? Vedanta has a unique take on things. Instead of saying that um, things exist, can you think of existence itself as the material cause of the universe? Let me repeat that. Just like the wood is the material cause of the stairs and the chair and the railings, as the pot, the clay is the material cause of the pot, as water is the material cause of the waves out there in the Atlantic Ocean, in the same way, all of these things, the entire universe, not just pots or tables or waves in the Atlantic Ocean, everything in the universe, everything exists, obviously it does, otherwise you wouldn't be talking about it. Now can you think of existence as the reality, as the substance? And all these other things as names and forms. So this is existence plus table, name and form. Not only name and form, use. You can put a glass on the table. I can put my hands on the table. So nama, rupa, vevahara. Name, table. Form, here. Vevahara, use. Name, form and use are imposed upon it. But what is it in reality? Existence itself. This existence in itself is called Sat. The word used for existence is Sat. And the Upanishad, the Bhagavad Gita says, this existence itself is the only reality and everything else depends upon it. Just as a pot depends for its existence upon clay, as uh, the railing depends for its existence upon wood. Similarly, the universe depends for its appearance, for its very reality, uh, upon existence itself, upon this Sat. This universe, what we, whatever we are experiencing, is an appearance, is not a reality in itself, because apart from Sat, it would disappear. Apart from, what is the table without existence? Suppose you say table is. Now suppose I say table is not. Where is the table? It disappears. If I take the isness out of the table, 
It would disappear. So just as if you take the water out of the waves, even the mightiest of waves will disappear. In, in, the, in North Carolina now, the ocean is raging. Florence, Hurricane Florence, so powerful. All those waves and the surf and all of that. But suppose the water was taken away from that. What would happen to it? Nothing. It would simply disappear. Similarly, this whole universe, can you think of it as existence with names, forms and use? Sat with Nama Rupa Vyavahara. This Sat is, another name for that is Brahman, the vast, the infinite. And this Nama Rupa Vyavahara, another name for that is Maya. Brahma Satyam Jagat Mithya. Existence is the reality and the universe is name and form and use and they have no intrinsic reality apart from existence. What's the point they're trying to make? This existence, where is it? What is it? Upanishads and the Bhagavad Gita in line with Upanishadic thinking says, you are that existence. Tattvamasi. That sat, that isness, are you are that. The very existence that we all feel, I am, is this sat or existence that Vedanta is speaking about. The world is an appearance because it does not, because it's an effect, it's a product, karyam. And Brahman is real because it is existence itself, it is the karanam. Sat. So, again, that existence, obviously existence never goes out of existence. And the world, name and form and, and use, Nama Rupa Vyavahara, they have no intrinsic reality of their own. That is the meaning of the verse. Whatever is a product, whatever is a karyam, has no intrinsic reality. Not having intrinsic reality, this is called falsity in Vedanta. When you say, maybe we say Brahma Satyam Jagat Mithya, Brahman alone is real, world is false. What does it mean basically? It means this thing, what we are talking about right now. In fact, the meaning of this verse is the very oft-quoted Brahma Satyam Jagat Mithya. Brahman alone is real, the world is an appearance. This is one thing I want, want you to think about. That the effect does not have any existence of its own other than the material cause. Think about the clay and the pot. Think about the water and the wave. Think about the wood and the chair. In the same way, Brahman is the very existence of this universe. The universe has no existence of its own. It's an appearance apart from Brahman. So the interesting thing is what we are experiencing right now. When you see the clay... When you see the pot, you're actually seeing clay plus pot name and form. When you are experiencing a universe, what does it mean? You're experiencing Brahman plus name and form. More about that later. One more point I want to share with you. Let's take an example. Fire. Fire is hot. And then you use it to heat a pan and use it to boil water and then boil a potato. 
Now, the potato is also hot. But is the potato intrinsically hot? You know, hot potato, we talk about hot potato. <laughs> is it intrinsically hot? No. It's borrowed its heat from the boiling water. Is the water intrinsically hot? No. It's borrowed its heat from? From the pan. The hot the pan, the, sa- the saucepan you, or the bowl, wherever you're bowling. Um, is the bowl or the pan intrinsically hot? No. It's borrowed its heat from the fire. Is the fire intrinsically hot? Yes. As long as the fire is there, it will be hot. If it's fire, it must be hot. But the potato is not hot by itself. It was cold earlier, now it's hot. After some time you serve it, if leave it out there, it will become cold again. The water which is boiling now was not hot earlier. After some time it will cool down and become cold again. The pan which was cold earlier, when you take it off the fire, it'll, after some time it will become, it will lose that heat. The potato loses that heat, the water loses the heat, the pan loses the heat. But fire, as long as fire is there, it does not lose heat. Heat is intrinsic to the fire. Have you noticed something here? This is what I want you to notice. If heat is not intrinsic to it, what happens to it? The thing sometimes is cold, sometimes hot, again cold. If it borrows heat, it will also lose the heat. But fire, which is hot intrinsically, doesn't have to borrow heat. It is intrinsically hot, so it will remain hot. If this is clear, let me ask you a question. Just like fire and heat, like heat, suppose existence, existence, things exist. So existence, can you think about existence just like we are talking about heat? What would it be for a thing to borrow existence? What will happen to it if it has borrowed existence? What will happen to it? It won't last. If it has borrowed heat, it will not be continuously hot. If it has borrowed existence, it will not continuously exist. Which means it will be born, it will be created, it will be produced. And it will be there for some time. But then it will die, it will be destroyed. It will fall apart. What is composed will always decompose finally. What has been put together will again fall apart. Things which borrow existence do not exist permanently. Now the opposite is true. Also true. That if a thing does not exist permanently, if you see a thing is born, and if you see a thing is destroyed, if it comes into being and it loses being, it goes out of being, that means it does not have intrinsic existence. Now, connected with what we just did, the first thing we discussed, that um, that which does not have intrinsic existence is false, is an appearance. So things which are born and things which die, things which are produced and things which are destroyed, they do not have intrinsic existence. The definition of falsity is not having intrinsic existence. So things which are born and dying, impermanent things, are also false things. This is a very profound point. In Sanskrit, anityatvam, impermanence, is equivalent to mithyatvam, falsity. Many of you are like, yes, yeah, so... It's a big point. 
Why it is very important? Because whether things are false or not, whether they are appearances or not, it seems to be very philosophical, not something that we know or talk about or we seriously consider. But that things are impermanent, we all know that. We were born and we are going to die. Everybody dies. Things which are born, produced, will one day be destroyed. Nothing seems to be permanent in this world. So that things are impermanent in this world, we all know. It's, it's common sense. It's common knowledge. Everything is impermanent in this world. Now what we are saying is, this impermanence is a sign of falsity. How? How did you make the link? Is the logic clear? Impermanence means borrowed existence. How does that mean borrowed existence? Because it comes into existence, it gains existence and loses existence. Anything which is gained and lost is not intrinsic. Things which do not intrinsically exist, that is the very definition of falsity which we are giving. They depend on something else for their existence. It's an effect, a product. And these products are not real apart from their material causes. Upadana karana. Is this too heavy duty? What, now in this verse, what is said is, there is one reality, this one existence, Sat. This existence alone is covered, is, appears to us as chairs and tables and people and stars and galaxies and protons and neutrons. They are all names and forms and vevahara, activities or uses, transactions. But their inner core, the ultimate substance there, substance I'm using within quotes, is being, existence or sat. And if you still say, so what? You are that sat. Now you can't say so what anymore because I'm talking about you. In the Chandogya Upanishad, Shweta Ketu, the student, he uh, approaches the master, his father actually, and his father give, gives him this teaching which we are just now talking about. Uh, that um, just as all iron implements are made of the same, one iron ap appears as so many iron implements. There is one existence which appears as this entire universe. And just as same gold appears to you as so many different golden ornaments, there is one existence which appears as this entire universe. And so on. Just as one clay appears to you as so many different kinds of pots, there is one existence, one sat, which appears as this entire universe. Now, Shweta Ketu must have gone, mm, so? Mm, like a teenager today? So what? And then his father says, Tattvamasi Shweta Ketu. That sat, that existence, where is it? What is it? You are it. You are that. Now you cannot say so because I'm talking about you. Your own reality, our own reality. Now the question arises, if this sat, the very reality of this universe, apart from which the universe becomes of an appearance, false, mitya, this sat, if it is my own nature, can I not know it? Can I not experience it? If it's me, if it is I, it's my own real nature, then why can I not experience it? It should be available to me. Imagine what it means to say that the Sat is my own real nature. If it is intrinsically my real nature, if I am that Sat, then intrinsic existence means a thing becomes immortal. It's neither born nor created. If it's borrowed, 
it will die. But if it is intrinsic, it will not die. It will always be there by the logic which we are, which we are following. And our own nature is said to be that sat, that pure existence. It's a big deal because if our, my nature is, see the body is not sat. Because clearly the body was born. Clearly the body ages and the body will die. But Gita is telling me that the Atman, the self is sat, pure being, pure existence. In that case, this being or existence, intrinsically existing. It never comes into being, it never goes out of existence. Rather, it lends existence to everything else. The body and the mind, whatever we talk, talk about as ourselves, body, senses, mind, all of it depends on me, the Sat, for their, for their existence and for their functioning. So I am that immortal reality, Sat, which Krishna talks about to Arjuna. This immortal reality which you are, it is neither born nor does it die. Other things, body is born and dies. Now if I am that, then can I not experience it? See, this is the beauty of Vedanta. This is why here we are now going to move from philosophy to the practical application, to actually seeing it in our lives. This is the beauty of Vedanta, you know. Here, you are not talking about something which you have to believe. See, religion... To put it very broadly, um, the whole of spiritual life, let's say, it, the problem can be situated in, in, say, in different ways and the solution is also different in that case. One way of, one way of understanding the whole of spiritual life is that, um, that there exists a God. The theistic religions, the God exists. And all your problems are solved if you believe in God, take refuge in God, surrender to God, love God. Problem is lack of faith, solution is faith. Abhakti, lack of devotion is the problem. Bhakti is the solution. Now this is the uh, approach of the major theistic religions. So this is what you might call the bhakti approach, devotional approach. The only problem with this is, it depends on faith. How do I know this God exists? Don't ask. No, they'll say that I have seen it, but I have not seen it. No, the books speak about it. I may not believe the books. And then for you this path is not, not there. Um, there is another path. This is one path. The path of faith, devotion, love. Another way of looking at spiritual life, I have not gone away from the topic. I am coming back, circling back to it. I am trying to clarify what this approach is, what we are doing here. Another approach is the path of experience. Vivekananda, Swami Vivekananda came here 125 years ago and he said, religion is not believing something, religion is realization. If there is an immortal soul, I must feel it. If there is a God, I must see God. So religion is realization. You must experience it. This is the path of yoga. What does Raja Yoga say? Practice meditation. I will show you certain psychophysical exercises. And if you follow them, you will get some extraordinary experiences. You will get it. Those experiences will prove to you the reality of religion. 
you will actually see God or you will feel that, that you are this immortal soul, the, the uh, pure existence consciousness. That's one path. This, see the difference between the two paths. One is based on faith. The other one is based on experience. One is, one is the, in one you have to develop love and surrender and belief. In the other one you have to practice not so much love and surrender but actually to practice certain spiritual disciplines and get those experiences for yourself. But what I'm speaking about now is neither of these two. Neither quite the path of faith and love nor quite the path of experience. Because even the path of experience, extraordinary experiences, until you have that, it's still a, a sort of hypothesis. Until you have that nirvikalpa samadhi, savikalpa samadhi, until that point, what do you have? As Vivekananda said, uh, an atheist is at least honest. <laughs> he has not seen God and says there's no God. But most people have not seen, uh, not experienced it and still proclaim a faith in now, what is this path? Now, I'm distinguishing from the other two. This path is not quite the path of faith and devotion. It's not quite the path of extraordinary experience. Rather, this path is the path of knowledge. There is something here within our ordinary experience. See, Nirvikalpa Samadhi is not something commonly available. I don't know about you, but... <laughs> It's not commonly available. But ordinary experience, what do I mean by ordinary experience? I mean waking, dreaming, sleeping. I mean subject and object experience. I mean this walking, talking, this existing. This ordinary experience. We all have it. This path of knowledge says, if you have this, now we will show you step by step that ultimate reality right here, right now. That's a remarkable claim. Not predicated upon your availability of belief. Not predicated upon the availability of extraordinary ex mystical experiences. But on the simple, commonly available experience of living. We can show you that sat, that pure Atman, that the Atman, the immortal self, it can be shown here, demonstrated here, and within quotes, experienced here. How? How? After all, you might ask this question, when you're looking at a pot, and if the clay is the reality, are you not looking at the clay also? Certainly. If you touch the pot, you're touching the clay. When I touch this uh, um, throne, <laughs> am I touching a chair or am I touching wood? Both? Wood? Chair? <laughs> yeah. Earlier you would have simply said chair. Now I have confused you enough to... So, <laughs> now you see, you've got all sorts of answers. You're touching the wood, you're touching the chair, you're touching both. Yeah. But the fact is, when you look at the chair, when you touch it, definitely the wood is experienced along with the chair. Vedanta would say the chair is experienced along with the wood. Now, if Brahman or the Atman, the self, is sat pure being, pure existence, then when we are experiencing this universe, we must be experiencing Atman also. We must be experiencing the ultimate reality also. Do you follow the logic? 
if it is like clay and pot if it is like chair and table uh, and uh, the chair and wood if it is like wave and water then atman pure being and this universe when we are experiencing the universe we must be experiencing atman also is it not so if it is like this at all if atman is the reality of this universe and i am experiencing a real universe it feels real to me then i am experiencing reality where is it then where is it in this experience and uh, in this verse adi shankaracharya writes a long commentary he is delighted with this verse because this is very advaitic non dualistic so he writes a long commentary a very profound commentary fantastic commentary and there he says yes you are we are all experiencing that ultimate reality every moment of our lives and i will show you how god is not hidden only apparently hidden god is present you are experiencing god all the time swami vivekananda called it the open secret it's a secret because we don't seem we seem not to know it but it's also open all the time available to us it's available to us right now right here where we are sitting in this room in this uh, 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 temple we are sitting here it is available to us right now you should be like show me show me yes i will show uh, let us look at it look at the commentary of shankaracharya where he talks about it he says look at your experience which experience any experience all your experiences the experience of sitting here listening to the talk just pay attention to it what will you see 1400 years ago shankaracharya writes sarvatra buddhi dvaya upalabdhehe sad buddhi asad buddhi iti in every experience you have two aspects to that experience every experience one is an experience of existence the other is an experience of names and forms how he himself gives example very nice he says sanghata sanpata sanhasti the pot exists pot is the cloth is how do you experience it only cloth are you experiencing it as cloth is or cloth is not is cloth is he says pata means cloth sanhasti the elephant is the elephant apparently has a lot of isness it's very big <laughs> no i'm joking isness is the same everywhere the elephant's name and form is big now he says in all of these experiences you'll see one thing is common and unchanging and the other thing is changing all the time what is changing the name one is a pot one is a elephant one is a clock the form one is like this uh, one is like this this is like a pot this is like a cloth an elephant you know what it's like so the form is different it looks different and just need not just be looks it can sound different or touch different everything so the form is different the name we apply to it name also just not the, the word the concept we have about it and the use the the way it behaves and the use we put it to all of that changes continuously a part is different from a cloth is different from an elephant and they're all different and yet you have part exists 
Clot exists. Elephant exists. That experience of is, is, is continuous. Where do you see it? Where do you not see it? If you see, if that existence is missing somewhere, what will happen to it? It will become is not. It will disappear. Wherever, whenever you experience anything at all, you experience it as being. It's a truism. Literally. It's almost um, what you mathematicians call a um, um, tautology. If you experience anything, you experience it as being, as isness. In Sanskrit, astitva, satta. And this one, this existence is the borrowed existence that these names and forms have taken to come into being. One day they will lose it. And we say that the pot is destroyed, the cloth is torn, the elephant is dead. But isness continues. After all, pot is. You break it, broken pot is. Powder it, powdered clay is. Cloth is. Tear it apart into, into strings, and into threads. Threads. Thread is. Existence continues all throughout. Now this seems rather hypothetical, but as you focus upon yourself right now, as we look at our, our own experience, you will see a continuous, theme, a continuous thread, like a golden thread through all our experiences, throughout our days and nights, throughout our lives, is this golden thread of isness awareness. It's not just a dead isness, it's also a shining isness awareness. I am and I am aware. Think about it. Swami Vivekananda says, first it is that existence, Sat, and then we color it with good or bad. Then we say it is good or it is bad. He says, things are dead in themselves, names and forms only. We breathe life into them, then we run after them or we run away from them. We breathe life into them means you the Sat, you that pure existence, you lend existence to everything. How, you know, how it works? It's like, imagine the dream. In our dreams, we see other people, other places. Things happen. There are activities, place, time, people, events. And all of them seem real. They are there. When we wake up, we realize the reality of all of those things dependent on my mind alone. The mind which was dreaming. It lent it itself appeared as all of those things. The mind itself appeared as everything in the dream. Are you with me? Isn't it? Or if you eat three cookies in your dream, did you actually eat the cookies or is it the mind alone which appeared as the cookies? So everything in the dream is constituted of the dreamer's mind only. In the same way, everything in this physical universe, everything, let's not say physical universe, let's just say Everything in your experience is constituted of that isness awareness. That isness awareness is what we truly are. Vedanta says you are not actually a person. Person is an appearance. Imagine a baby. A child, a teenager, a young man or woman, middle-aged person, old person. The person continuously changes. Which one are you? 
And you know, all of them. So are you a collection? No. What is the reality behind all of them? That isness awareness, that consciousness which is sat chit, isness awareness. I'm using new terms. <laughs> but that appears as this person, Mr. So and so or Miss So and so. And that that appearance continuously changes. That isness awareness never changes. Our claim is this isness awareness is always available to us. Right now, it's available to you. You are that isness awareness, and on that comes a layer of thoughts, memories, ideas, ego, I, I, that feeling. And then this whole thing, which is called the mind, mana, buddhi, chitta, ahankara, the mind itself, the uh, intellect, the memories, and the ego. Altogether, you just call it, label it mind. This gets associated with another name and form. Body, which also appears in you, the isness awareness. And then we, forgetting that our isness awareness nature, the sat nature, we forgetting that, we say, I am this person. I think of only, it's like, this is a chair. So No, it's wood. What wood? It's a chair. The name and form is so attractive, is so sometimes so scary, so deluding that we forget the background of it. The background isness awareness is present right now. In all of us, all the time. It's the only thing that has been present. But it generates or projects a series of names and forms, which is all this. This is the meaning of, in Shankaracharya's, I am not the mind, not the body. Chidananda Rupaha Shivoham Shivoham. I am of the nature of bliss and awareness. I am Shiva, I am Shiva. Shiva here is this bliss awareness, this Sat which Shankaracharya is speaking about, this Sat which Krishna is speaking about. This is my true nature. When he says, Tattvadarshi, the ones who see reality. Once you see reality means we are all seeing it. We don't recognize it. We are all experiencing it all the time. It's like a person who sees all the pottery and says, where is the clay? It's the pottery. Clay is the only reality. I saw a shop in Manhattan. Pottery barn, what is it called? Pottery barn, yes. The pots are real. Really, if I take all the clay away from, all the ceramics away from the pots, then what will be remaining in pottery barn? Nothing. A little bit of pot will remain. Nothing will remain. Everything will be gone. The reality of everything that we experience is that isness awareness which, which we are all the time. And it appears in so many names and forms. Nothing pre- if you are the isness awareness, does not prevent you from being a person. A person is an appearance of that isness awareness. Just as the table and the chair are appearances of the underlying wood. Tattva darshi the seer of reality, that person sees in this way. Recognizes this. I'll tell you a very interesting thing I saw. This was in Haridwar in India when we were in a class with a, a wandering monk but a very great teacher of Vedanta. He's passed away now. Um, so this Swami who was teaching, a devotee had come who had a... Uh, like a kidney transplant or something like that. 
and uh, was saying that we have to, that he's under so many restrictions because of the transplant. And the Swami said to him, the Swami did not know so much about modern medical technology and all of that. So he said, but uh, if your transplant is already over, then why do you have to follow all these restrictions? And uh, um, oh, I'm telling you the wrong story. <laughs> this story is also instructive, but it comes later. Before that, the same Swami. Somebody was telling him about this uh, X-ray, and he was, um, you know, he was uh, delighted with the example. He said, ma, in Hindi, he said, "Mahatma ki drishti to aisi honi chahiye." This is the way your drishti of, of a, the, the, the drishti of a, the vision, let us say, of a monk should be like this. Tattva darshi literally means the seer of reality. This is how your vision should be. What kind of vision? By this, it does not mean some kind of Superman vision or something like that. It's the vision of knowledge. Just as if we look at all these wooden things and I tell you, see the wood in the railings, in the stairs, in the chair. You will say, yes, Swami, I can see it. What did you do? You just switched the paradigm. Oh, chair, you know what, is, what I mean by wood. See the water in the waves, in the surf, in the, in the, in the foam, in the uh, vapor. Yes, Swami, I understand. In the same way, in all your experiences, see the underlying isness awareness, which you are at this moment and all the time. Then you realize, I am that immortal isness awareness, no matter what the name and form. I am the screen. No matter what the movie is playing, whether it's a comedy or a tragedy or whatever, it's a movie. I am the screen, the unchanging screen. Let the body be whatever it is like. Old, young, fit. Uh, the Ashtavakra says that uh, uh, let the body exist for a hundred years, let it die today. You neither gain anything nor lose anything by it. You are that unchanging isness awareness. So that is the X-ray vision. You must see through the just that the X-ray sees through skin and uh, blood and flesh and goes to the bones. Similarly, you must go to the bones of the universe, the the existence isness awareness. Where do you have to look? Look in your experience. Which experience? Every experience. It is available all the time, right now. I will not go much further. Um, I will give you a chance to ask questions. I'm sure you, if you have followed, you must have plenty of questions. Uh, that isness awareness is available all the time. That is basically the constituent of our life. That is the fund foundation of all reality. That is what Krishna talks about. That isness awareness never goes out of existence. And the universe never really comes into existence. It only borrows existence from you, this awareness, and appears before you for some time. The movie, none of the things in the movie, the people and the cars and the, and the buildings and all the massive stuff that you see in the movie, none of it has the slightest reality apart from the screen and the light which, in which they are appearing. You are the screen, you are the light. Now, what do you do? Enjoy the movie. Be without fear. Be fearless. This life turns into one of beauty and joy and peace. 
no matter what happens in life you can relax <laughs> and you can you can do whatever you want also because krishna uses this very logic to prompt arjuna into the most uh, intense action also that also is possible is this anything more that i wanted to say i can end with the words of keno upanishad pratibodha viditam matam amritatvam hi vindate in every experience if you notice that isness awareness you become immortal mortal man becomes immortal obviously because that isness awareness is immortal you are a immortal you recognize your immortality and own it all right i think that's what i wanted to say you have a question No, none of them. The good question: Is it isness, karma, awareness? No. Is it isness, awareness of isness? Is it isness and awareness? None of them. It is isness awareness, and it's not so difficult to understand. Also, just see what you are. You are right now. What are you apart from the changing body? Because the body is changing. from babyhood to childhood to teenage to middle age to old age the body is continuously changing what are you apart from the changing mind the mind is changing so much from this morning till now how many times excited how many times bored how many times alert how many times tired how many times irritated how many times pleased huh from this morning till now in one day continuous changing but what is at the background of all of them what continues like a golden thread all those things those experiences did they exist for some time or not they did and did they shine in awareness or not they did unless you are aware of it you would not have had that ex- experience all the experiences of our life think of isness awareness as the screen on which the movie of your life is playing Yes very good question this is where the second story becomes relevant the one which i started and <laughs> i stopped in between um uh, this this second story he says that um how can we hold on to this a monk asked that uh, exactly the same question a young monk this discussion was going on that you are that he did not say isness awareness the discussion was in hindi and sanskrit astita satta that being now a monk said at least this much i must hold on to that i am brahman this much i must hold on to main brahm hu isko pakad ke rakhna hai i must hold on to this right very eagerly asked and the teacher the master said this is exactly what you must not do yahi to nahi karna hai why not because first of all you are trying to hold on to it with the mind what is your name what's your name hmm reena now reena how do you hold on to this name reena do you do morning and evening japa reena 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 no you don't 
Aren't you afraid? I'll go to sleep morning. I might not. I might wake up. No. It's and yet this name was just imprinted on the child a, a few years ago. Before that, the, the child did not, baby did not think of itself as Rina. If just this little conditioning, I can tell you, in our monastic life, the name changes number of times. <laughs> My pre-monastic name is Vishwarup. And then when we took the vows of uh, Brahmacharya, my name was Jnana Brata Chaitanya. Long name. Took me just half a day to become used to it and if somebody would say it, I would respond, yes. At first, yes, who are they calling? But within a half a day, yes. And then my name was Sarva Priyananda. Swami Sarva Priyananda, yes. The way they imprint it on us is the day you take the monastic vows, that day in uh, the main monastery in Belurmat, that first day, you are supposed to go and bow down to all the senior monks. And all the monks are senior because you are just one day, one day old. <laughs> you have to bow down to all the monks and say, my name is Swami Sarva Priyananda. And all the brahmacharis, the novices, they will come and bow down to you and ask your name. So I have to say to them, my name is Sarva Priyananda. So once you have done that 300, 400 times in one day, <laughs> done. You don't have to keep memorizing, what's my name, what's my name, what's my name. <laughs> so imagine... That name itself is so well conditioned on that isness awareness that you don't have to hold on to it. Imagine how much deeper is that isness awareness itself. Don't use the you don't use your mind to hold on to the Rena identity. It's knowledge for you. I know. Though it's a it's a temporary knowledge, transactional knowledge. But the isness awareness behind that knowledge, that is permanent. You don't have to hold on to it. But this is what they say, tattva, the highest teaching. But practically, said Swami, come down a few steps. Practically, what do you have to do? Practically, that story is very useful. That story which I started, let me tell you that story. And so it means it really happened. The devotee said, because of my kidney transplant, I have to undergo those, these restrictions. I have to take these medicines and diet restrictions. And the Swami said, why? You've already got the new kidney. And this uh, person said, well, the doctor said, if I don't follow these restrictions, um, the kid, my body will not accept the kidney as a part of itself. My, um, and I will not get the benefits from the new kidney. And finally, the kidney will be rejected and it will die. The Swami was so excited. He said, ah, this is sadhana. Once you listen, Nasato vidyate bhavo na bhavo vidyate sata. But once you have heard this, once this idea of I am the isness awareness, I am not Rina. The depth, Rina in depth is isness awareness. All of us are. Once this idea becomes more and more clear, what, do you, what must you do? He says, this sadhana must become intense. Meditation, study, thought, vichara, karma yoga, bhakti yoga, raja yoga, all of those. All the supporting restrictions to keep the kidney alive in the same way to keep this newfound knowledge. This is an insight. You must keep it alive. You must dwell upon it. 300 times repetition, Sarva Priyanda, Sarva Priyanda, by the next day becomes automatic. This will also become automatic. You must dwell upon it intensively. Jnana Yoga, Bhakti Yoga, Karma Yoga, Raja Yoga, all are helpful. All are helpful. Shankaracharya says in the Bhagavad Gita, 
Karma is helpful, bhakti is helpful, meditation is helpful. All of them are very helpful. And of course, dwelling in this knowledge, soaking yourself in this knowledge. Then what will happen? If you don't do it, what will happen is, like that kidney, that knowledge will not be accepted by the whole personality. Once it's not accepted, the benefit of that knowledge will not flow, like the kidney. And then what will happen is, like the kidney is rejected and it dies, Similarly, this knowledge also will one day, after some time, you say, I had understood it, but became confused again. But if you dwell upon it, like the kidney gets assimilated into the body, becomes a part of the body, starts functioning, giving benefit. Similarly, this knowledge will become real and living. And endless benefit comes from this. First of all, peace of mind. Shanti. A great lightness comes upon you. Permanently. Like a light, like you know, somebody said, like a sun shining in your heart continuously. Undeniable, it's always there. You cannot drive it away anymore. Whatever you say, you cannot drive away the knowledge that you are Rina, right now. Similarly, much more deep, that I am that isness awareness. It's, once you get it, you'll see, obviously, obviously, how come I missed it? Open secret. You will say that. And it will never change. Peace and joy comes. Imagine, you cannot die. Body dies, nothing to me. Mind will be sometimes upset, sometimes happy. But nothing to me. It's an object like this. Once you make the mind an object, object means something that appears in that isness awareness. Isness awareness constant. Upset mind, happy mind. I was in Denver a few months ago. Two months ago, with these two teenage girls, they were singing a song, which, which I found fascinating. Song went something like this. It will not make much sense to you, but whenever there are young people, they immediately identify it. It says, the song goes, Happy Lama, Sad Lama, Mentally Disturbed Lama. <laughs> and then some Drama Lama, Mama Lama, and goes on like that. So I asked, what Lama are you talking about? The Buddhist Lama or that... South American Andes, the, the, like the camel. And then I googled it. It's that South American that camel. Now, whether happy mind, sad mind, mentally disturbed mind also, whatever it is, they are all appearances coming and going in the unchanging isness, awareness, always shining. Whatever the movie, comedy, drama, tragedy, screen, you are the screen, not the movie, not a character in the movie. This, this is the benefit that will come to you. And it will come to you instantly. Brahma Veda Brahmaiva Bhavati. The one who realizes Brahman as what? Not that is Brahman. I am Brahman. I am that isness. Forget the uh, name Brahman also. If you can see yourself as that isness awareness, it's not very difficult. Moment you see that, when you look at the Upanishad now, isness awareness, this names for Sat and Chit. I am Satchidananda. Oh, this is called Brahman. Then I am Brahman. Yes, you are Brahman. Dwell on it. Remember the example of the kidney transplant. Yes. 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 And what is then, uh, because I knew you had picked up the nature, what was the next step? Do 
this one itself deepens into enlightenment this what you call what you call living in that constant awareness i am that satchidananda i am that isness awareness if you live in that awareness think about it feel it it becomes real to you more and more you will see you start thinking about it start enjoying it and you will start acting accordingly you will see that if you do that if you start living your life in that light the name technical name for this in shankaracharya himself used this name gyana nishtha gyana nishtha that sadhu in uttarakhand he said another sadhu very interesting i liked it prapt gyan ka aadar karo respect the knowledge which you have already got we keep collecting note note notebooks keep growing like this and nowadays recording they keep on increasing but whatever we have got and got means begin to understand i like it even this feeling yeah this approach i like it i understand it little bit also aadar karo that means respect that respect that means take it seriously try to live by its light that is called gyananishtha that knowledge itself deepens into what is called jivan mukti enlightenment it deepens by itself is not jivan mukti don't claim that i am enlightened right now be conservative about enlightenment <laughs> don't be in a hurry to claim it but yes i am beginning to get what these teachings are about very good yes what what raise the hand yes i'll come to you later oh it's not difficult at all you know that the railing is made of wood and you know that the st- just now try to s- experience look at the wood here yes look at the wood there yes look at the wood in the chair next to you yes does it prevent you from seeing it and using it as a railing as a stair as um, a chair no see what was happening earlier is i did not know that what this thing called wood is i thought it's a railing it's a staircase and it's a chair but now i know their underlying reality is this thing called wood knowing it to be wood does not prevent me from seeing it as a chair as a railing uh, as a staircase and using it like that also everything will continue always look at the lives of people you consider to be enlightened say ramana maharshi or sri ramakrishna sri ramakrishna sees the divine mother everywhere and yet he recognizes narain as narain vivekananda latu as latu and you know the, the different people the kali temple all of them are recognized food as food you recognize everything and you can use there is a proper time and place for everything that will not be affected at all usually the, sometimes the feeling deepens to such an extent that is called bhava samadhi then the world ashokanji says the world is as if it were erased as, as if somebody is erasing the world it actually happens so that is a different thing but in day to day life don't worry life can go on very very easy, much much more easily in fact you are seeing things in depth earlier we are seeing it in the surface level did the example of the the wood and the uh, does that make sense all right moral 
Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. The prescript, prescriptive part of dharma, of religion, is very useful for reaching this uh, reality, for, for the breakthrough, for the insight. But once you have the insight, you see something that is actually beyond good and evil, but that does not mean good and evil become equal to it. Not at all. In fact, now you have the justification. Swami Vivekananda clearly said, the only way we can justify morality is by seeing this oneness in everybody. Why should I not hurt my neighbor? Because I and my neighbor are one. Would I want to hurt myself? No. This is an enlightened self-knowledge, that the knowledge about the self as the basis of everything. From that comes all morality. Why should I tell the truth? Because truth is grounded in reality. I am reality. If I can't tell the truth in small affairs in day-to-day -day life, how can I be expected to grasp the ultimate reality of the universe, the ultimate truth of the universe? So, morals, uh, ethics, in fact, they find their justification. Vivekananda was, Swami Vivekananda was so, so uh, bold, I was bold enough to say that it's only in this monistic, in this non-dualistic framework that we can actually find the justification for ethics. There's a beautiful article, Swami Vivekananda's Ontological Ethics by Swami Bhajananandaji. So where he takes a survey of all the theories of ethics in Western philosophy, in Indian philosophy, in everywhere. And the struggles to find a theory of ethics which justifies, which gives grounding to morality. And he comes, comes to the conclusion, Swami Vivekananda says, it's only in this, in that this isness the common reality of everything in the universe that you find the, the justification for morals. There is a saying in the study of ethics, in the philosophy of, uh, of ethics, um, uh, you cannot deduce the ought from the is. It's a strict no-no. You cannot deduce, deduce morals from, from, technically you cannot deduce ethics from ontology. Here, Advaita is the only one which bridges this gap. Your very nature is such that if you manifest this nature in day-to-day -day life, it will be an ethical nature. Saints, therefore, are naturally ethical, not as a matter of practice. It's their very nature. They are expressing their innermost reality when they are selfless, when they are loving, when they are self-sacrificing, when they cleave strictly to the truth. They are expressing their innermost reality. Okay, let's at least hear the question. We have run out of time. Thank you, Swami. Um, you said Maya and the effect on <laughs> Very big question. It will take a series of lectures to answer it. But the effect of Maya is exactly as we see it right now. That, that isness, awareness seems to be occluded, hidden. It doesn't seem to be obvious. Yet it's the most obvious thing. Isn't the wood there or here the most obvious thing? And yet we think it's a, it's a cabinet. The wood nature seems to recede to the background. That's the effect of Maya. It hides the reality 
and it projects it as something else. Alright, let's stop here. Do I do a Shanti Mantra? Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ramakrishna Rupanamastu Thank you very much, Maharaj. Thank Fantastic. you. Just out of curiosity, uh, uh, anybody know that song? <laughs> the Lama song? One. No, no, I don't know it. That's, I was sad because I'm now officially classified as old. But I'm not alone. <laughs> so wonderful. That isness awareness is a great thing to sit and ponder for quite some time. Uh, that was very a very helpful insight. So thank you very much for that. Maharaj will be speaking again on Sunday morning. Uh, this time the topic will be, uh, who am I? So uh, <laughs> please come and enjoy that with us on Sunday. And uh, uh, tomorrow, of course, will be our karma yoga, uh, as usual, for those not going to the Gita conference uh, downtown. So this evening, uh, hang out a little bit, get to know each other, enjoy that I amness, and to share the, the 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 love and the unconditioned bliss that is in you with each other. Shaiman. <laughs>